August, I received three words about the church, and they all had to do in line with your prosperity. <laughs> y'all, sorry, I know Eric Best doesn't like when I tap the microphone, but y'all, you hear this, it, three words, and I mean, we don't go by, oh, so-and-so, they prophesied this. I'm not, I'm not moved by that. We check to see what, the, what is on the inside of us, because any prophetic word that you receive should not be revelation to you. It should be confirmation to what's already going on inside of you. So you shouldn't be like, oh, we're, we're, I'm blessed now? It, you know you are. And we know that what God has been doing over the course of a year and a bit, uh, how this whole translation is taking place, uh, we're moving in the right direction. And I want to just remind you again of this word that the Lord gave us, specifically, uh, this one was in August. He said that times of refreshing are over you and over your church, and they are here now. Come on, somebody shout it. Times of refreshing. Man, the things that you've been waiting for, the things you've been standing and believing the Lord for, they're here now. Well, I'm not seeing it. Don't go by what you see. You go by what he said. When what you see doesn't line up with what he said, you got to make a decision. I'm going by what, with it, what he said. He goes on to say, he said, and you will see the times of refreshing. You'll lift your voice and you will say, hallelujah, for the times that you have waited on and the times that we have sought have now rained down upon us and they're here now. For I hear the Lord saying, this is a season of the times of refreshing over your lives and over the church. For people will come and say to you, we don't like these times of refreshing. Do you know what's sad? That every, every once in a while when there's a move of God, there's always a naysayer. We don't like it. I'll give you my response in a sec. The response is, you will laugh. Ha ha ha. And I declare, times of refreshing are now, but what you will see demonstrated in the lives of your people, and what you will see come to pass, not just demonstrated, but come to pass in the lives of your people will be amazing. Not only for you, but those on the outside looking in will lean over and you'll tell them, I told you so. So get ready to say that, I told you so. And times of refreshing, saith the Lord, are those things that are coming now in your house and in your place. There will be raised up a group, not just of prayer warriors, but praise warriors that will lead you into the next phase is what I'm declaring. Amen. So be it. And you know, we have that word in June as well. It was about the place that we're moving to is your Jehovah Jireh. Yes, that is who our God is. He is Jehovah Jireh, but there's also a place. Remember Abraham, when he offered Isaac on the, sac on the altar, he named that place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And I'm telling you this, church, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. The Lord will provide every need that you have. So I want to just encourage you, get your mouth going. What does that mean? You just start declaring that. You start speaking it. Me and my house, we are ready. That is our Jehovah Jireh as we make the move. The Lord is taking good care of what belongs to you. You take an interest in his house, he takes an interest in your house. Right? That's who he is. He's a good father. Now, let's get right into the word this morning. In uh, Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to jump right into this here again. And... Uh, um, we're taking some time over these, these coming weeks to really just lay out what kind of church that we're, we're, we are and we're supposed to continue to be. And uh, I want to, let's just re read this and we'll get into it. But this is the Apostle Paul saying, now because we are united to Christ, how did you get united to Christ? Through his sacrifice 
And through my acknowledgement, my confession, my believing in my heart, my acknowledging with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, I now have both equal and direct access in the realm of the Spirit to go to the Father. Man, don't, don't ever just kind of go, oh, yeah, that's, I've heard that before. Don't just hear things, hear it, man. This is, this is eternal. I got access. Verse 19, so now you are not a foreigner or you are not a guest. That's good news. Because I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a guest's house before? Do you just help yourself to the fridge? Sometimes, and you may not be invited back. <laughs> I've tried it. I remember doing that a lot, especially in my teen years. Just go over to a buddy's house and you just assume we're friends that were f- parents' fridge is wide open. It's not always the case. Uh, are you going to pay for that food? I wasn't thinking about it, but uh, I'll, I'll let my mom know. <laughs> All right. You're not a foreigner or a guest, but rather you are children of the city of the holy ones with all the rights. Say it, I got rights. No, no, say it like you mean it. We talk like we can talk naturally speaking. Well, I got rights. I'm a Canadian. Come on, spiritually speaking, I got rights. As the, as the children of the city of the holy ones with all of the rights as family members of the household of God. I got rights. Verse 20, you are rising like a perfectly fitted stone of the temple. I'm rising. Say it, I'm rising. What are we? We're rising perfectly fitted stones to this temple. And my life is being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the chief cornerstone, uh, the anointed one, Jesus himself. This entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So I don't know about you, but when I read this, these verses, I go, church? Church, it's about Jesus. It's his house. Some people say, no, it's my house. No, you're adopted into it. And he allowed me access. He, he's the one that's on the title deed. He purchased it not with a mortgage. He purchased it with blood. So the reminder to this is I'm on his agenda. I'm available for his use. What he wants to work in and through me is up to him. Impact is not our church. It's his church. Now, I believe I heard this word a little, this was about 2016, 2017. It was at a minister's conference. And boy, it rattled me. I still remember to the day powerfully. And that Jesus said to this one, uh, the group of ministers that were there, Jesus wants his church back. Went, oh, huh. And if you really think about it, where is it gone? Who's taken access to it? Well, sadly, sometimes, not, not in all cases, but in some places, it's became our church. We got our things. We got to do our stuff. We want to do it our way. And hey, there's nothing wrong with it. Okay, Lord, this is how you want to design it. And look at all that. That's great. But ultimately, it's his church. So if we come in with a mindset like that, it's his church, it makes life a whole lot easier. And we know the church that's in this earth is not perfect. Correct. Do you not know that? Look at your neighbor. Just kidding. Don't look at your neighbor. Just, you can look at me. It's not perfect. 
Thank you for that. Amen. <laughs> but we are here to work with him. Psalm 127, I love this verse, verse 1. He says, if God's grace doesn't help the builders, who are the builders of his house? Who's the builders? Come on, y'all, I'm waiting for, I'm looking for 100% understanding on this. Who is the builders of the church? Keep your hands up in the air. (laughs) Okay, we are the builders. So notice he says, if God's grace doesn't help the builders what's gonna what's the problem they will labor in vain to build the house other translations say unless the lord build the house they that labor they labor in vain so we all have one calling our call is all the same no matter where you work no matter where you're from our call as we've been brought out of darkness into the kingdom of god's dear son is to build his church Period. Now the giftings of it all come out differently. We're all unique. And uh, the, the, uh, Peter actually talks about the many f- uh, faceted graces of God. There are so many graces in this room. Nobody in this room is the same. Nobody in the church is the same. There's all this unique gifting that God has given. But what is the gift for? To build his church. Now, unless the Lord builds it, that means unless the Lord, we give him the access to build it, we're doing it in vain. He goes on to say, if God's mercy doesn't protect the city, all the centuries will circle it in vain. Verse 2, it is really senseless to work so hard from early morning till late at night toiling to make a living for fear of not having enough. Did you know that? Some people waking up and they got four jobs. I start my day at 4 a.m. because I got to make my bills paid. It is senseless to work so hard. Why is that? Because my dependency is upon me and it's not on him. Toiling to make a living from fear, not having enough. Because look at this. God can provide for his lovers even while they sleep. In fact, I think he prefers it. Finally, shut up. Go to bed. You are too much. Anybody ever have to say that to their kids before? Anybody said it last night? Man, just stop. Go to bed. I can help you better when you're in bed. Well, that's how sometimes our father feels because we're up. I got to make things work. I got to, man, just go to bed. Guess what? How Adam got his wife. God had to knock him out. <laughs> so true. Now, so I believe the Lord is aligning his church. And we have to, again, understand that we are here to carry out his idea. Come on, say it. His idea. That's what we're doing. And that's what I know we as a leadership, we as a church family, we're constantly hungry for catching his thoughts, his ideas on things, what he wants to do in this region. Can I get a witness on that? That's what we're interested in. And at the same time, we are here to work alongside him and follow what he wants. So again, we can see and gather a few things from the verses we just read. Number one is that, again, I have direct access to the Father through the Spirit. Now, we have to know this church. I have access. Number two, he has made a covenant with me as his child, and I better get to know what this covenant agreement says. It's not on God to say, I mean, it'd be great to have osmosis. You just put it under your pillow and everything just kind of download into you. No, you got to renew your mind to the covenant that he has now established with you. Listen, just how Jamie and I, husband and wife, I'm in covenant with this woman. 
I'm in total a covenant with this woman. So if anybody tries to hurt her, I'll break your leg. Probably both of them. And then pray for you after. But you don't touch my covenant partner. Well, how much more our heavenly father, he has cut an agreement, a covenant with us. So nobody messes with God's kids. <laughs> okay. But here's the thing that will help us drastically is that you as a child know what the covenant says so you can actually tell Satan where to go when he tries to do something outside the covenant and bring it upon you. For an example, in the covenant, the word of God tells us that you are the well and the enemy tries to make you sick. So sickness is not a part of the covenant that I have with almighty God. So what can I do? I can stand up and on the word and say, this is what my covenant agreement says. Lord, this is what you've done for me on my behalf. Now I just want to ensure, make sure that covenant is coming to pass. Jesus, thank you for taking good care of this. And he makes sure the covenant is in operation. Number three, through my relationship with the Holy Spirit, he is transforming me to be formed into the image of Jesus. Right? So we're part of the church. So it's more than just, this is my Sunday gig. This is what I do. My life. If I'm just saying I'm submitted to your Lordship Jesus, this is what he's doing. His spirit came on the inside of you to put back all that was lost and better in the Garden of Eden. Adam lost the, the, lost the, the spirit of God. He lost him. But what did Jesus come back to give? He actually came. Galatians chapter 5, I believe it is. Or sorry, 4 verse 6. It says, now that you are his children, he gave you his spirit. What is that spirit for? Rulership, ownership, leadership. We lost all of that in the garden. But Jesus came and got it back. And so now, notice if you read this, Galatians chapter 4, I believe it's verse 6. And he says that now that you are his children, he now gave you his spirit. Why does he put it like that? It's because there is a rulership and ownership that should be coming about you. Whose earth is this? It's the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This don't belong to the devil and his crew. It's ours. A certain mentality comes about you when you get revelation of this. And then number four, as a church body now, collectively, so individually, what is he doing on the inside of me? He's transforming me into the image of Jesus. My goal is to look more and more like him. Right? That's our goal. Number four now, as a collective body, he is developing us to be a dwelling place that he can flow and work through. That's what this all is for. Right? Okay. So now, under the Lord's direction, as we said, that we're taking time to allow him to reveal what kind of church that he has designed us to be in this region. The Lord strategically brought you here. We are so glad that you're here. Can you look at your neighbor and just say, I'm glad you're here, please. We're so glad that you're here. I'm, I'm looking. We're so thankful because it says in the, in the word, 1 Corinthians 12, that God puts and he places people where he sees fit. Look at y'all, we get, we get to do life together. We get to grow in God together. We get to worship God together. We get to experience the presence of Jesus together. Woo! Is there anything better than that? No. And all through, we get to have fun together. You're probably thinking, there's a guy in this room I really don't like. Well, get over it. <laughs> now, 
As we said, man's church is in trouble, but Jesus' church is on the move going forward. So as a church family, what we are experiencing in a couple of weeks, like what Julian was just mentioning, is a natural change. And we're excited about that. But from a spiritual perspective, from a higher perspective than that, y'all, we've received an assignment. It's not just big building. Yay, more people. Yay, it looks cool. Yay, it's change. That's all fine and dandy. But when it really comes down to it is you and I have been given an assignment that we are accountable to heaven for. That's how I'm taking this. That's how I'm looking at this. So again, I want to read you a little bit of a prophetic word that was given to me of August 2019, just so that we can kind of get our heads wrapped around this. He says, this is an individual. He says, it's time for God to start something new. The facility you're building, the place that you are, talking to this one, is not the place that God has for you. And at that time, long story short, we had just purchased these two properties out back here. And he says, in fact, it's the building that I see that God is taking you. It's starting fresh with you. It's actually really close by. And I went, yeah, it's literally just across a back alley. I I know. Awesome, hey? Anyways. He says, it's not far, it's close. I see God taking you there. The place that God is taking you is a new and a fresh start. So now I've just been meditating and thinking on these words, a new and a fresh start. You know, the Bible terminology for those that are just, well, you need a Bible verse. It's a new wineskin. What is the Lord looking to do? So a question that I have been asking is, Lord, what are you desiring to build in us and through us? Because the purpose, the motivation behind this is not to build a church for more people. The motivation is to build a church for him. Church is all about him because when you lift him up, he draws men unto himself. Why are you in this room? Why are you here? Jesus, that's the, that's the answer. It's Jesus. He's the one that died for you. He's the one that rose again for you. He's the one that cut covenant with you. It's him. That's why we come gather together. So our question has been, Lord, what are you desiring to build? Now, again, some of these things are very practical, but I believe we need to take this time to talk about this as we go forward. So we're all on the same page moving forward. Are we cool with that? So our vision, the vision the Lord gave us was to impact generations for Jesus. So what does that mean? Generations. That doesn't just mean, oh, we just look after the younger ones. That's a huge part of it. We are a generational church, but it's also, hey, how many senior citizens? Pastor Marlene is our seniors pastor, and we have reached in people regularly. This woman is amazing. She baptized somebody in the pool the other day, a couple months ago, in your inner place. We are after generations. The generation that we're in is 2023. Old, young, in between, Whatever people identify now, old or young, that's we, we're going after you. <laughs> we're going after you hard. But just as important, it's crucial to have vision. Because without it, people stumble all over themselves. But just as much as is important as the vision, it's also the road that we get there. If your road is bumpy and you got a great vision, you're not going there. So what is just as crucial is the culture or the feel of how we operate. 
who we be as a church family is way more important than what we do. Because when we get our being proper, what we do will be beautiful no matter what. Even if it didn't work out to be exactly what we thought it would be. But because we got the being part of who we are, it's great. I mean, if you think about it, that's what we're even training our kids. We're training them. We want them to be people of God. That's what we want them to be. Not just do godly things. That's religion. We're not interested in this. So same thing with us. I mean, the Lord gave us an assignment and here we are with it. And if we just try to get all the assignment done, but we're jerks to each other, how effective are we really going to (laughs) be? I could just say, I love my wife. I love my wife. I love my life. I love her. I love her. I love her. her. I'm supposed to love you. I'm supposed to love you. I'm supposed to. Do you feel loved? (laughs) She always feels you. Stop it, girl. (laughs) Well, I love you. That's the vision. You're fine there's going to be some rocky roads ahead because the feel, the culture of how this all is. No, she, like, she, you know what? I made a, gave a story last week that we were going to get some pizza last week. Y'all remember that? And the next day she was going to leave me the leftovers. She almost ate them. And she said, you know what? Because you said in that service that I was going to give you the leftovers and gave you the leftovers. I was like, girl, that's what I'm talking about. So guess what I'm doing tonight? I'm getting pizza again. And I'm just, I'm just messing with you. It's got to be a weekly thing. Now, moving on. Now, what is impact supposed to be? And I'm not trying to say, oh, this is what Impact Life Church is. I'm not trying to say, this is who we are. We're going to talk all about this. I'm going back to the Bible and I'm lying to the Lord saying, Lord, here's your church. What do you want to do? So I just brought this back very simplicity to going back to what the word of God says. And, you know, I've been really reading through the book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3 specifically as it talks about the end time church that you and I are part of. And we will continue to be and go after those, like how what Jesus explained as the church, that's our heartbeat. To be to Jesus is our first love. I was reading last night about the church in Sardis, and there is something in that that's very profound. It says, you have a reputation for being alive, yet you are dead. What does that mean? We have all the glamour, we have all of this, but spiritually speaking, we're useless. Like, okay, Lord, that will not be us. Did he say that all the glamour was wrong? No, it's fine, it's great. Have all of that. But more importantly, who we are. That it's alive on the inside. Jesus actually said, I saw the works that you do, and they're not even worthy to present to God the Father. Hello. Say something. That ain't us. (laughs) No thank you. So this is just going back to simplicity of what we see in the church. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. I want this, this scripture just to resonate on the inside of you. This is why we're here. To him be glory in the church. Come on, to who? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. Who gets the glory? Jesus does. Why are we here? To glorify him. What are we going to do? Continue to glorify him. What are we going to do in 15 years from now? To him be glory in this church and through Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Amen. So if that becomes the very heartbeat of what we're doing here, that's our motive. We're on a good track. Right? Okay. Now, how are we going to give God glory in and through this church. 
Now, naturally speaking, I want to hit this because I think it's important. Naturally speaking, we are representatives of King Jesus and what he has given us should represent him well. So how can we give glory to him? By what he has given us to steward looks good. So since July 5th, we have three amazing gentlemen who have taken on the project manager role. Then we had, I, I, was, I had to be corrected as uh, I think I gave a, a wrong number a couple weeks ago. But I think this was at the end of September, so I haven't seen the up-to-date one. But we had 4,400 volunteer hours that were given as the end of September. So that's, again, that's gone up since a month ago. All of that taking place Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It is beautiful. So guess what? We bought new carpet. We bought new flooring. We bought toilets for y'all. <laughs> There's more stalls that have been added. Paint has been purchased. Furniture has been purchased. Lights have been purchased. A screens have been purchased. Why? Why do you need all that? You need to do all that. You're right. We don't have to do anything. We can have church outside. You could. We were, <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. Again, following the leadership of the Lord, we were led to do these things. Why? To break down walls in 2023. Because again, a lot of times people refer to church how they were reached. You were reached in the 90s. It's not the 90s. It, it, it doesn't work that way anymore. I saw a stat on, I can't remember the, the group, uh, but it was to reach an average Westerner was $1.38, $1.39 to reach a person. Whereas in this pastor that was doing this stat was in India. We know him real well, John Routon. He's over there in India, and to reach somebody in India, it cost him four cents. It's a huge difference. What's the difference? Oh, we're just a bunch of spoiled people. No, we're blessed here. But the, also the negative side to that is, is that now we have to, it costs a lot more to reach somebody because they got the frazzle, the dazzle, they got everything that they'll ever would need. So what do we need to show? We need to showcase that Jesus is good. He's not against you having money. He's against money having you. He wants to be your God. He wants to be your Lord. So yes, we have all these things. Yes, you're going to see a gigantic screen. And I want to just warn you, caution you going, uh, why don't you do all that? That's how offense sets in. So if you can switch your mind and go, man, this is going to help a whole group of people that have yet to be reached. Oh, it's a different thought. Listen, because y'all already reached. And who are we building the church for? We're building it for him. And when he looks good, people are drawn to that. So I don't know about you, but that is the heartbeat behind everything that we're doing on that. So that Jesus looks good. And the message we proclaim, which is victory, joy, the blessing of God, the grace of God. What we are in should match what we preach. Now some of you are going to say, well, you got holes in your pants. I'll wear some new ones for you. The reason I'm laying all this out is because people stumble over natural things. They look at it and they go, why? Holes, why? It's okay. The motive is, 
Ephesians 3.21, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. So who we be is more important than what you wear. Wear clothes, though. It's helpful. Wear them. Okay? By the reason also, let me just give you a couple of scriptures just to help to give you scriptures. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6 and 7. Again, this is now Samuel is about to go and anoint another king for Israel. Very familiar passage. And so he goes to Jesse's house. God says, I got one of Jesse's sons I have ordained and he is going to be anointed as the next king of Israel. So Samuel goes there. He's ready. And when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, this is it. Surely this is the guy. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Because how does the Lord look? The Lord looks at the heart. That's not to say forget everything on the outside because people judge by outward appearance. So again, the prophetic word that was given, there's, he said, moving you to a fresh and a new place because there's things connected to this place. I don't have all the ins and outs of what the connection would be, what the mentality of some people would have. I literally, I was born in this building, I think. Probably not. But... I've been here for a very long time. And so again, I'm putting on an outside glass. There could be a number of things that people have. It's people, we call it Riverside Meadows to freshen it up a little bit. But for some people, it's lower Fairview. People shouldn't be so carnal. I know. But people judge by outward appearance. So there's a number of things that go on in people's brains. And we just go, well, that's just stupid. They got to think better. Yes, and that's what the Lord has been saying about you too. <laughs> think differently. You got to see things the way that I see them. And I'm not saying that to be mean or harsh. I, the Lord is saying that to me as well. You got to start to stop seeing the way things that I see them. Verse, verse, yeah, the verse seven. Now also, okay, go on to the next one. First Kings chapter 10. This is talking about the queen of Sheba. Remember queen Sheba? Solomon had just built this wow of a building, of a temple for the Lord. And I tell you, billions upon billions of dollars today is what went in to make that thing happen. And when the Queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, I mean, he answered all of her questions. And then she saw, say it with me, she saw, say it again, she saw, one more time, y'all, she saw the place he had built, she was overwhelmed. And I believe some of you, when you walk in there, you're going to go, oh, huh, oh, look at here. <laughs> Verse five, <laughs> she was also amazed at the donuts on the table. <laughs> yeah, it's a, man, it's a Boston cream. Enjoy, girl, enjoy. <laughs> she was amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials, and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers, and the burnt offering Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She walked in there and she went, whoa, look, look at this. Look, look how they're dressed. Ripped jeans. Look, wow. Look, man, it looks, it, looks, it looks stunning. But this queen here brought the, brought the, the word of the Lord back to Ethiopia. It's amazing. And then she blessed Solomon. She blessed Israel. And on top of all the blessings they got, they got even more. So yes, you and I, 
We look to and we are so hungry for the proper heart. But for those that have yet to be reached, come on, y'all, we have to get this. For those that have yet to be reached, they may be carnal. And are we going to say, shouldn't be? It's okay. Let's help you grow spiritually. Let's help you develop. Let's help you grow. Right? Because I know you all are. So help us with this. So people come in and just go, well, first of all, I, I can't believe that they did this. Get over yourself. Please. It's not about you. It's about Jesus and his church. I walk in there and I go, Jesus is going to look so good in this building to people on the outside. Oh, that's just so, you need all those things. We don't need them. They're a great tool to help introduce people to Jesus. Talk about breaking down a wall. And I'll tell you, even just at youth a couple weeks ago, two kids that, that were maybe a little bit distant from the Lord, they received the Lord a couple weeks ago. That's what we're interested. So if it requires a light, I'll buy 15,000 of them. You can't put a price in soul. Some of you may be blinded by it, but it's worth the soul. <laughs> so now, as we said, so a building is great, but what's even greater is the people inside of it. Now, this is what we're going to just get to specifically people that catch the heartbeat of God. People that take the Great Commission seriously and get in their post representing Jesus to whosoever comes across their path. Amen. And lastly, a people that desire him and long for his presence more than anything else because we know it's his presence that changes anyone. Yes. Now I want you to look here again. I'm going to read these scriptures quickly. But church, who are we? What's on the inside? So great, we got an, it's a beautiful building. It's amazing, it's wonderful, but we're a bunch of jerks inside. Won't cut it. So what we're talking about now, this is the meat. This is what's important here. Thank God for all of that, and we're going to continue to make it look good. Of, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. It says, for this reason, the Apostle Paul is praying now for the church, and he had received an open door to these churches to pray some very profound things. What did he pray for? That the eyes of their hearts would be flooded with light. God, I'm asking that you give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the deep and intimate knowledge of you. Father, the eyes of their heart being flooded with light, that they would know the hope to their calling, that they would know the inheritance that you've placed in them, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power that you've invested of us because we are believers. Lord, open their eyes. they got to see this. For this great apostle to be praying these prayers, he needed an open door to get in there. Listen, it's the same way in your and my life, spiritually speaking. Naturally speaking, you need doors to go in and out of rooms. It's the same way in the spirit. There's people that I've tried, I've tried praying for, but it was a constant closed door. I'm going, why can't I get in there? Why can't I get in there? Whether they've shut their heart off to me, I don't know, but I can't get access in there. And what's God not going to do? He's not going to break down the door and slam the door. God's not working that way. That's why the apostle, well, you can read that in the Corinthians letter. He actually said to the Corinthian church, church, our heart is wide open to you. It's wide open. Open your hearts up back to us. He's why? Because I can't get in there. But this church here in Ephesians, I mean, this is a, it's a beautiful church. What made it beautiful? Oh man, they had the nicely newly fashioned walls. No, it's what was going on inside these believers. He said, because I heard, I heard something. And again, in that day, word did not spread fast. 
like it does today. I could text somebody on the other side of the world and it's there in two seconds. For them, somebody had to actually sit in the church, had to analyze, see what was going on, take place in all this. And they reported back to Paul and they said, Paul, man, I tell you, there is so much faith in that room. Man, I tell you, it's the atmosphere just changed. People's, their hopes got way up there when they heard about the goodness of God, when they heard about what he's able to do, what he wants to do, what he's already done through Jesus. Man, I tell you, people's expectancy went through the roof. And Paul goes, that's what I want to hear. Man, that's amazing. And they said, not only that, Paul, but now there's also this deep love, authentic, genuine love that the church has for each other. And I can just see this great apostle, this man of God, fall to his knees and goes, because of I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I can't stop praying for you. Every time you come into my mind, I remember you in my prayers. And he starts praying, Father, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Same thing in Colossians chapter 1. You see the same words. Paul says, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we pray for you always. For we have heard. Come on, shout it out. Heard. What did he hear? Of your faith in Christ Jesus. How you lean on him with absolute confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness. And of the unselfish love that you have for all the saints. He said, I can't stop praying. I'm asking you, and Paul prayed this similar prayer, but he's actually prayed, Lord, that you would give him knowledge of your will so that they would bear fruit in every area of their life. Man, what powerful things to pray. The Thessalonican church, Paul says, we give thanks to God for you, uh, continually mentioning you in our prayers, recalling. He's remembering unceasingly before our God and Father your work that is energized by faith. Your 4,400 volunteer hours is energized by faith. And your service is motivated by love. Wow. And what is the love moved by? In the return of the Lord Jesus Christ coming soon. So it stirred this great apostle up. And last one, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. He says, we ought always indeed and morally obligated as those in debt. Now notice how the apostle looked at this. We see ourselves in debt to give thanks of God for you, brothers and sisters, as is fitting. Because your faith is growing and growing and growing. And the unselfish love each one of you that you have toward one another is continually increasing. So I believe, church, that what the Lord is doing in and through us is he's establishing this on the inside of us. This genuine faith in Jesus Christ. This complete dependency upon him and this unselfish love that we have for one another. What is it going to do? Why faith and love? Because these two things here, these ingredients, so to speak, will cause anybody from the outside, they come in and they go, there's something different in this room. The same way when you walk in a Canadian tire, you go, smells like a man in here. (laughs) Anybody get that smell? I go, smells like rubber, and I could never find anything in there. Not because I'm not a man, but I don't know how to find stuff. That's just clarify. You walk into Tim Hortons, you go, cholesterol. It's good. Well, the same way that you walk into those places and you get a whiff of something, what should be the whiff? God, what's the whiff of impact? 
faith and love. Man, I tell you, there's nothing like it. What is that, church? It's faith and love. So let's talk about faith here for a moment. Faith. Faith, it comes only one way. How does faith come? It comes by the word of God. It doesn't come by opinions. It doesn't come from the high thought of the day. It doesn't come what I think about a situation. Faith comes only one way. Faith comes by the word. You can't pray for it. It comes by the word. You can't sing songs for it. It comes by the word. So that's why we place a huge emphasis on the word. Why? Because if the door opened for these churches, for this great apostle, for the spirit of God to have access in, faith is a big deal to God. In fact, what we see, faith is what pleases him. Hebrews 11.6. So if that's what's pleasing to God, if that's what gets God's attention, I want to know how to operate in it. We can talk about Christian slogans and do all those things. Oh, yeah, fine and dandy. But if there's no faith in what we're doing, if there's no dependency upon the Lord to show up, what did we come here for? Just wasted all the electricity. A faithless prayer is worthless. So what do I got to do? I got to learn how to operate in it. I got to learn how to be in it. I got to learn how to talk like it. I got to learn it. Because guess what? Faith is not just a formula. Faith is an attitude. People talk about faith. What's your faith? Oh, I'm... And they'll say, you know, a denomination. Or they'll say, this is my Roman Catholic background or whatever have you. That's your faith. That is so low. Jude actually talks about contending for the faith. These very disciples that were martyred, they stood on their faith. How can you get to that place? You are so convinced in who Jesus is. You're convinced in what he does. And you're more convinced in the afterlife. So we're, we're going to be growing and developing in these things. Now... No matter the situation, we are learning to continually ask ourselves, what does the word have to say? Something comes across your plate. Something comes across your path that you're not really liking or not really interested in. What do we do? What does the word have to say? Now, let me give you an example about an atmosphere that was filled because of faith. Uh, Luke chapter 5, turn there with me real quickly. But did you think about it? You can fill an atmosphere with faith. The same way you could go to a sporting event and there's a team that you're cheering for. What's filled with the atmosphere? It's like, man, there's this, there's this excitement. There's this, like, yeah, go team. Like you just become part of it. Well, listen, it's not just based on a few people. Hey, let's get in faith and let's do things. It's collectively as a body. We can make this atmosphere so faith-filled that people go walk out and they go, hey, I, I, I believe God for this. Yeah, this looks impossible, but yeah, I, I believe God. So let's look at this situation here. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. It says, the news about Jesus was spreading farther. And that's what I believe for Red Deer. That's what I believe for our region. The news about him. The news about him. Not the news about a church. The news about him. It was spreading farther. Large crowds kept gathering. Now notice why did they gather? To hear and be healed of their illnesses. And I believe in time, time coming up, I want to reveal some things the Lord's been sharing with me about a healing school. 
Verse 16, but Jesus himself would often slip away into the wilderness and pray in seclusion. Verse 17, one day as he was teaching, I want you to see this. He was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And notice this, the power of the Lord was present to heal. Other translation says was present to heal them. Them who? The Pharisees. Now, what do you think the atmosphere was like when Jesus was teaching in this room? I'll give you a thought that came to me. Fault finding. Have you ever been around people who are just simply looking for a fault? <laughs> That's a real stiff, this is a stiff room. That's a horrible coffee date, man. They're just looking for something wrong. What kind of atmosphere do you bring? Because it's It's huge. You can walk. You can just walk some by somebody and say, hey, how are you doing? Nah. Oh. <laughs> Praise the Lord there, brother. It's, you don't have to kind of go. It's, it's, it's impossible to hide. You can't just hide that. But this room was full of fault finding. And again, it's so easy to do in the church. Because if you look hard enough through your magnifying glass, you'll find something wrong here. You always will. Why? Because there's nothing perfect. We are doing our best to be excellent before the Lord. We do everything to present it, to give him all the glory. But hey, we're still human. There will be mistakes. So sorry about that. But if you just keep that magnifying glass on there, they did this and they're doing this. That's on you. You stink. I love the church. I love what Jesus is doing. So what's my attitude? I'm walking and going, hey, there's going to be some things that are a bit off. But you know what? We're going to strive for excellence. We want to be our best. But hey, if the drumstick breaks, it breaks. If the sound kind of tweaks, I'm not going to go, oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. Whose fault is it today? Who's going to? No, we're learning. We're growing. I do not want to be this Pharisee. Verse 18, now notice this. This is when the atmosphere starts to change. So can you all feel a tense room? These religious folk are there. And listen, the, the Lord's healing power was present to heal. It was right there in front of them. But they missed it. Why? Because their atmosphere stunk. <laughs> Verse 18, he says, Some men came carrying on a stretcher, a man who was paralyzed. And they try to bring him in and lay him down in front of Jesus. But finding no uh, way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and removed some of the tiles to make an opening. And they lowered him through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of a crowd in front of Jesus. Now, if you just pause here for a moment. Jesus is teaching. And listen, Jesus is the best. He's preaching the word. Listen, the word is preaching the word. Wow, you don't get any better than that. And he's proclaiming the word and he's listing the word. And all the Pharisees, just give me a Pharisee look, would you? Could you? <laughs> you a bunch of Pharisees, just, just like this, sitting just like this, no interest at all. And I'm so thankful these four guys. They changed the atmosphere while he's proclaiming the word is preaching the word. Faith dug a hole in the ceiling. And that entire atmosphere in that room changed drastically. Now all of a sudden he's preaching and he's just like, ah, what? Yo, hey. Again, what are the Pharisees doing? What now? 
Seriously, digging a hole. This guy we don't like is preaching. We don't like it. Now you're digging a hole. Whose house is this? Just miserable people. <laughs> Jesus, full of love, just, you know, hey, come on out. They lowered him in front. And he goes on to say, uh, verse 20, Jesus, notice what Jesus saw. Pharisees saw a hole. Maybe the owner of the house was a little bit, what the heck, man? But Jesus, what did he see? He saw faith. Come on, y'all, what did he see? He saw faith. And he said, man, man, your sins are forgiven. Can you just see how Jack Jesus must have been? He's preaching his heart out, getting everything across to these doorknobs. Nothing's happening. And so what happens? A hole is being dug in front. And they see, he sees something. He sees confidence in God. He sees trust in God. And he goes, man, your sins are forgiven. And again, sorry, I got to downplay it. 21, the scribes and the Pharisees began to consider the question, what does he mean? Why is he blaspheming? Who can forgive sins that has removed guilt except God alone? Ugh, they're always wet blankets. Verse 22, but Jesus, again, knowing their thoughts, answered them. Answered what? <laughs> the thoughts. <laughs> Why are you questioning these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? But now in order to, so that you may know that the Son of God has authority on power and earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. The man now immediately stood up in front of them, went home glorifying and praising God. What happened in that room? The atmosphere completely shifted for trying to find fault in the word to now, hey, all things are possible to him who believes. Man, I, hey, I, 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 got, I, I need some help on this. And then you go on to see Jesus went out and he continued to preach and teach the word and many were healed. Faith changed the atmosphere. So church family, I want to call us up higher when you come into this place. Of course, there'd be things you'd be going through, but man, come in this place going, there's an expectancy about me. My God is big. My God is able. He can do all things. I know he is and I believe him. I got a few more things I want to show you. Verse 26, it says, they all were astonished and they began glorifying God and they were filled with reverential fear and all of this surrounding region, all of Red Deer, they would say, we have seen wonderful and incredible things today. That ought to be our testimony. As man, I came in here, I didn't know what I was going to expect. I was going to get, you know, what am I signing up for? Am I supposed to drink the Kool-Aid? I don't know what I'm getting into. But they'll walk in there and go, we have seen wonderful and incredible things today. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the atmosphere that I walk around in, I want to bring about me a spirit of faith. And it's an attitude. We're, we're, I'm going to just give the highlights on this, and we'll talk about this in, in times to come as the Lord leads. But faith is an attitude. It's an attitude that you carry. Yes, there are there's steps that you can study, and that's all fine and dandy. But what it comes down to, faith is an attitude. And I want you to see this in 2 Corinthians 4.13. It says, we have... Say it, I have. So we're not talking about something that you don't have. We're talking about something that you do have. We have the same spirit of faith. It's a spirit. Who wrote in scripture, this is talking about David. David said this, I can't believe in Psalm 118, I believe it's somewhere in there. He says, I believe, therefore I speak. 
So we also believe and we are speakers. This is who we are. We believe and we speak what we believe. (laughs) I tell you, the spirit of faith, I've said this before, this this makes you, I remember hearing this from another gentleman. He said, this makes you want to swing out over hell and spit in the devil's eye. When you catch the spirit of faith, it makes a tadpole slap a whale. What is this? It's the spirit of faith. It gives grit back to the church that Jesus didn't tell me, hang on till I come. He said, occupy. So occupying is a whole lot more than, oh, dear Jesus, please come. Please come soon. Please come soon. This is nuts out here. Yeah, it is. But guess what's even stronger? The greater one who is on the inside of you is greater than he that is in the world. So what's our confession? Greater is he. It's living right here than he that's on the outside. That's my confession. I believe, therefore I speak. Faith will always move your mouth first. We're looking for a change of scenery. God's looking for a change of sound. When you change the sound, the scenery begins to change. So this is what we're learning is the spirit of faith isn't silent. And if you are quiet, you lose by default. So faith causes you to talk. Faith causes you when somebody says, oh man, I'm just, my finances are going down. Not me because my God will supply all of my needs. It's not you being religiously and weird. No, it's you carrying the spirit of faith. This is what it was. What was different about Joshua and Caleb? God says there's a different spirit about them. When the whole community, the world talk about, we can't get in there. The giants are too big. We're like grasshoppers, blah, 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 blah. We said, give me that mountain. I want it. Let's go kill them. Now let me show you this in Psalm 18. This is what the spirit of faith will do. It'll, on the inside of you, it'll rise up and you go, I'll take what he said I can have. This is what covenant is all about. God's not just, God, can you give it to me? Stop asking to give. He gave. Now what do you do? I receive and I take it. That's a word religious folk don't like, is take. Psalm 18, this is King David talking. He says, by you, I can crush a troop. And my, by, by my God, I can leap over a wall. As for God, he is, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tested. It is perfect. It is faultless. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Listen, don't just kind of hear this as an, oh, this would be a nice song to sing. This is his confession of faith. This is what he believes. Verse 31. For who is God but the Lord? Or who is a rock except our God? The God who encircles me with strength and makes my way blameless. He makes my feet like hind's feet, able to stand firmly and tread safely on paths of testing and trouble. He sets me securely on high places. He trains my hands for war so that my arms, arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me a shield of your salvation and your right hand upholds me and sustains me. Your gentleness makes me great. Man, he sounds arrogant. No, he sounds confident in his God. Verse 36, you enlarge the path beneath me and make my steps secure so that my feet will not slip. What is this? I believe Therefore, I speak. If you read it in the Message Bible, it's a lot of fun. He says in there, my enemies cried uncle, but uncle never came. (laughs) You ever played that? You try to tap out, uncle, uncle, uncle. Well, our enemies, uncle, 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 uncle. He ain't coming. Uncle's never going to show up. This is who we are, church. This is what God has called us to be in our region. Not those that are just, oh, life's just kicking my butt. Stop it. You're on the wrong end of the stick then. That's not who God made you to be. That's not his church. His church is called the glorified church. He's coming for a church that's glorified. 
And what does that look like? A church that knows who they are in Christ Jesus, that knows who's on the inside of them, and they know who they are and what they're able to do through their God. So yeah, we're moving into a new building, but it's not just a new building. It's an assignment. What's the assignment? To get the spirit of faith into our region where they're talking, oh man, kids are just confused today. I refuse to say that. Oh, you know, this just transgender is going to take over. No, it will not. In the name of Jesus, it will not. That is the spirit of confusion. Not in my house. Not in my church. Not in the youth group that we're part of. Not in the kids we're raising up. Absolutely not. Well, how can you say that? Faith is an attitude. Come on, hoorah. (laughs) So church, this is who we are. And this isn't just a few of us. People go, man, what the impact bunch? Well, they believe stuff and they talk stuff. Absolutely we do. Because why do we do all this? To be rambunctious and obnoxious? No. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Amen. (sighs) All right. I put my deodorant to work today, y'all. So I hope that is... So let's be that people, amen? And we're going to grow in this. We're going to develop it because, hey, we haven't all arrived. We're growing in it too. But I do know this, that, man, this is why the Apostle Paul had such access and the Spirit of God had access, faith and love. Whoa, what a powerful dynamic, amen? Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that you are the teacher of the church. And Lord, right now we just say, we say yes to you. Just on the inside, church, can we just say that yes to you, Lord? I'm not moved by outside things. I'm not moved by what's taking place going on around me. I'm not moved by things in the new building. I'm not moved things in this current building. Lord, I'm moved by you. And I say yes to you, yes to your call to be a person of faith, to be a man of faith, to be a woman of faith who speaks what they believe boldly. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.